What is up? Welcome back to Project Freelance. I hope you guys are surviving. I hope you're thriving. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying busy. So if you remember, we did an episode about the coronavirus and I had one of my guests, Ozzy, on. And this is actually a full episode with Ozzy about what he does as a freelance sideshow performer. So we're going to be talking to him about how he got into performing, the crazy things that he does, where he got his inspiration from, what his plans are for the future, and what his education background is. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode of the podcast. But before we get started, I need to let you know that I have a book out. It's called No Tracers, An Urban Explorer's Diary. And it's full of high-res photography and stories from all of the abandoned buildings that I've explored over the past uh, four years. So if you guys want to pick up a copy of that and support my art, I would love for you to do so. Head to justtheletterk.com slash no tracers. Or if you would like to get a photo print of one of my photos, I have some exclusive photos up on Darkroom. If you don't know what Darkroom is, it is a new platform, newer platform for prints, canvas prints, uh, metallic prints, poster prints, all different types of prints. And I've got some exclusive stuff up there. It's justtheletterk.darkroom.tech. I'll put a link down in the description for you if you guys want to support my art during this time where, uh, you know, we are all struggling. But if you want to support my art, head to justletterk.darkroom.tech and pick up a print. I've actually got some prints of Butch Loxon from LA, otherwise known as the Skeleton of Color. If you guys like what he does as a performer and you would like a print of him, I actually have some prints on the Darkroom page. So if you want to check it out, links are down in the description. But without further ado, let's get into this episode with Ozzy Blood. Please introduce yourself and what it is that you do to the Project Freelance audience. My name is Austin Punton, uh, but I normally go by the name of Ozzy Blood. That's A-U-Z-Z-Y Blood. I spell it out because everybody normally calls it O-Z-Z-I-E or, you know, like Ozzy Osbourne. But Ozzy Blood. Uh, and what I do under that name is I'm a performer, so I consider myself a self-employed freelance artist. I go out and uh, try to just inspire people that they can accomplish anything they put their minds to because uh, I put myself through some pretty crazy things, which is sword swallowing and uh, pushing the limitations and endurance of the human body, essentially. Uh, tell me about when you first got into performing. When, where did your love for performance arts come, come to life? This is a very, very interesting story. Uh, I believe in uh, synchronicity. So I believe in certain things, like you said, the ripple effect, one thing happens and it causes a chain of events to happen. So um, throughout my life, I was just always the weird kid. I was always the awkward kid. I'm an only child. So I grew up with a lot of alone time and uh, time to expand my imagination. So I was a very playful kid that always loved to act out and just my, my parents would call me a drama queen because I was you know, I'm just over the top with everything, no matter what. I loved um, acting in the school plays and doing stuff like that. So I guess that's really where it began as a performer, silly, as silly as it sounds, but we all have a starting place. So fast forward to high school. Uh, throughout the years, I loved Guinness Book of World Records, Ripley's Believe It or Not, just just weird, odd things, you know. Um, so I was out at Huntington Beach with some friends because I originally grew up in California before I moved to Vegas. And we were just out wandering around shooting a video for YouTube. And then there's a group of people dancing. After they finished up doing their street performance, there's another gentleman that came out and he did some street performance while hammering a nail into his nose and swallowing a sword. 
well, that was the first time in 2011 I had ever seen that live in front of my face. Like for real, you, you see it on television or in a book or a photo and you're like, eh, there's, there's something about it that makes you just doubt it. But when I saw it live for the first time, there was something in it that just was like, holy crap, there's no magic. This is, this is real. Wow. And it just blew my mind in a way that just kind of shifted my perspective on how strong the human body was. So I grew up with a love for anatomy and biology and all that, and uh, went to school to be a certified medical assistant. And, and while I'm in school in Nevada, in Las Vegas, for schooling, uh, one night I'd come home, I turn on Netflix, I'm looking for something to watch. Well, I see the show called freak show on amc and so it was a it was a television show that was on amc's channel and it featured this venice beach freak show and the gentleman swallowing swords on it his name was morg and i looked at him i was like that guy looks really familiar it was the same dude i'd seen in 2011 doing street performance crazy so uh i had done some research and started to look into it well he had taught himself everything he knew without a medical background and uh it was just very interesting to me that he did that. So I had always loved Vegas and the street performance of Fremont Street. So I thought, well, do I want to work for a doctor the rest of my life or do I want to have a little bit of an adventure on the side? So I began to train myself in sideshow stunts, uh, which is hammering nails into my nose, sticking objects through different orifices, uh, condoms through the face, chain. And then I worked all the way up to these giant quarter inch thick meat hooks, which now I can lift up to 50 to 60 pounds with that hook while it's in my skull and um, lifting weight with my eye sockets and uh, swallowing swords while doing push-ups. I actually have a world record for the for the, the most push-ups while swallowing a sword, which is 31. So that's kind of like, it, it was just a weird collection of things that pushed me to become a crazy performer and show people you can do anything you push your mind to because that's what inspired me. So first of all, rest in peace to the Venice Beach Freak Show. I absolutely loved that place. And the show itself was super, super fascinating and super interesting. And getting to see Morg perform live is, uh, there's nothing like it. You know, he's a very unique character and he's a great performer. So it's cool that you've got, you know, you saw him when he was on the street performing and then you got to see him on TV. I think that was probably super inspiring to you. Um, can you talk a little bit more about about seeing that, uh, seeing him go from the street to on, on TV and what that did for you? Yeah, so um, after I became really fascinated, you know, watching the show, I became really fascinated with him as a person. So I, I followed him on social media and um, n- noticed he was very philosophical, which also intrigued me. I would say I'm more philosophical and into philosophy and just the knowing of the self because of him. Uh so it, it was just this whole thing of like, okay, he then released a book, which was called The Metaphorical Suicide. And while I was uh, at an internship for a spine and joint place still coming out of school, you know, just getting into the street performance thing and starting all that, I had bought and read his book, The Metaphorical Suicide, and it changed my life in a way of analyzing my situations that just... it. it it helped expand my mind as the simplest of words. I could go on and on and explain what process, like what kind of a process I went through. But I think it's better you just go out and read it for yourself because it's a book that is about killing everything that isn't you to become your best version. You know, becoming yourself in a way that is self-built, not built from the culture around you, but built internally 
internally to externally, if that makes sense. He talks about analogs and different things in the book, which really um, helped my mind. So that uh, gave me the tools to focus on myself, evolve in different areas, build my skills up as a performer, as a content creator, and just he was he was very inspiring as a person. So that really motivated me and gave me the confidence to put myself out there in different ways because of the way this book helped rearrange the thoughts and processes in my mind. It was very interesting. And can you talk a little bit about the first time you got paid to perform? I would love to hear that story. Uh, yeah, so a long time, um, I would do like backyard punk shows, and, and I would get paid cash, maybe like 30, 40 bucks. So it was exciting. But uh, one of the biggest events I did that changed my life was doing OzFest meets NotFest. You know, when you're a street performer, you have to go out there and wrangle a crowd. So you have to really work for it, which is one of the most difficult things people don't realize. You're, you're having to do whatever you can to keep these people's attention. And a person like me out there in gothic-looking makeup, shoving things in my face, I, I could easily scare people away, but somehow I kept their attentions. Um, so, like, doing OzFest meets NotFest in 2016 was a big, big, big deal because there was an audition going around for it, and I'd gotten onto the group. The, I believe there was, like, 80 other sideshow performers. And it was it was a marvel to just get paid a, a decent amount of money instead of like 30 or 40 bucks to go there. Plus, I left with over $500 in tips. So it, it was really a big thing, just like, OK, I can make a living off this if I keep going with it. I had felt that way before with the street performance. But after doing an event like this, I had also gotten to go up on stage with Suicide Silence. Um, are you probably familiar with them? I'm very familiar with them. Yeah, they had come to our freak show the first night of OzFest, and they had come through as like a VIP group. I recognized Mark and the rest of the guys from the band, and I have the, the tattoo of the black crown on my back. So I went out, performed shirtless, and then my manager talked to theirs, who was organizing everything, and uh, he got me up on stage with them the next day during the show. It was just crazy because I was on stage on a stage where – Thousands of bands have played before, like same area. It was just a, a dream come true because I looked out in the crowd and it was just a sea of people moshing and dust. And it was just like humbling to be, oh my gosh, I got here. I, I made it with my favorite band in a place I never expected to be. What the hell is going on? So that really sharpened my mind and just made me like want to pursue it e even more. Along with, I was getting people's responses of like inspiring them. And they were saying, wow, you're this weird guy. That's like, you don't take shit. You don't let people put you down, down for the way you dress. You know, you, you put on this makeup, people call you whatever they say. I've been called a faggot, a loser, an emo, whatever, everything in the book. And I still push on and I laugh at everything. People, all the people that try to say negative things to me, I laugh because it's like, you're not affecting my life in any way that's going to stop me from doing what I'm doing. So I'm just going to keep doing it. Absolutely. And so getting to go and perform on stage with like your favorite band, like what a surreal experience. I have a similar story. The first time I ever got to go like on stage as a vocalist was with the band Motionless and White. They pulled me on stage yes. for a, 
for a song at Vans Warp Tour in front of thousands of people because they had seen a cover that I did of one of their songs on YouTube. So it's, I, I can totally relate to that feeling of, you know, getting to be on stage with one of your favorite bands. So that's super amazing that you got to do that. And congratulations on such a huge opportunity for you. Congrats to you too. That's awesome. I love Motion of Slate myself. I've seen them live plenty of times. Oh, they're so good. They're so, so good. So how long did it take you to find your value in the industry? Like, what were you charging people when you first started out? And then uh, after this show, like, where did where did your rates go from there? Uh, it, it's always been a hard thing to try and find a rate as a sideshow performer because we're such a, a very, very faux pas niche, you know, market. It's people are afraid to pay us amounts of money because we're endangering our lives. So there's like a lot of times I have to go to shows and, and sign waivers. No matter what I'm getting paid, I have to sign a waiver that if I get hurt or injured, the, the company paying me to do so is not responsible for it. Um, but when I was first starting out, I would just honestly accept any sort of payment I could, I could get because it was harder to just find gigs that would accept me. So it was the whole, you know, I'll do it for tips kind of thing at first. And, um, I, I, I'd say around 2016 to 2017 is when I really started getting popular to where people were booking me consistently. And from there, um, I usually make my minimum rate. It was it was like fifty to a hundred dollars for for any type of sideshow performance, and then I'd vary it out depending on the time. And now that I've worked with Cirque, I, I don't, don't take anything less than usually a hundred dollars an hour, depending on travel and everything added onto that. Because uh, what I do is dangerous, and I could risk my life at any moment. Sure, it's just a, a short amount of entertainment, but it should be valued just as anything else because it's it's actually such a skill that very little amount of people can do. We're, we're actually 0.05, what is it? We're less than 1% of the population of sword swallowers. I mean, there's maybe a thousand sword swallowers in the world, let alone sword swallowers to the capital of what myself and Andrew S. and a couple of other uh, people in the industry can do at the level we do it at. So it's really hard to find and and understand our own value because there's so much of it but we also like no no party is going to always hire us if we ask for over a thousand dollars a show you know which which is really to me what sword swallowing is worth like i'm sticking a blade in my body come on (laughs) yeah no i completely agree i feel like you guys should get paid even more than other performers because you are putting yourselves at risk to do this kind of stuff and it's such a unique work uh form of art that you're doing you know i think it is very valuable and so people out there listening that are you know potentially looking to hire sideshow performers you guys should definitely pay them more than, than yeah like 50 50 bucks for a performance yeah, the, you know it, so it, it's the craziest controversy you know because because where do you really draw the line at value of risking somebody's life and them leaving you with a memory you'll have for the rest of your life <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about how you got in with the Cirque. Tell me, tell me about that because I I love the Cirque. In with the Cirque du Soleil. I love the Cirque too. Um, I'd seen my first Cirque show in 2016 when I was becoming a performer. My dad got us tickets for Christmas, and when I saw my first Cirque show, it was caught at the MGM. I was blown away. I was inspired by it. I was like, this is where I want to be one day because of the level of caliber of stage effects and performance they've used. Um, it was in 2018, like around October to November, there was an article and an ad circulating from the Cirque website and, um, their casting pages 
saying they were looking for a performer, a freak show artist with skills with nails, knives, swords, hooks, electricity, etc. So that that narrows down what I do to a T. So I uh, I had so many I had so much hesitation of like no I'm not going to get it because I was so young and so new into the industry and still am compared to other performers out there put all my work together from my YouTube and all the content I had and I submitted my audition and then they were contacting me uh audition in November of November 26th, I think. And then I heard back from Cirque by December 4th saying they were interested in working with me. And then uh, flew to Montreal in May, which out there we did our uh, month-long training and uh, conditioning, which was just getting on the standards of Cirque and like everything they put us through, learning about the production, meeting our fellow castmates. And it was crazy. Uh, I'm sad it so quickly. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about or can talk about why it ended so abruptly and so suddenly. I was actually supposed to go to a show, but the day I arrived in Vegas was the last day of the show. <laughs> so I didn't yeah, get to see I it. Yeah, I mean, what I can say about. is that it was we were we were supposed to go into creation period because of the reviews that the show was getting. The show was getting horrible reviews because people were expecting a Cirque show. You know, they're expecting acrobatics, aerial effects, and things of that nature. Well, when they came to see a show with lots of violence and stunt fighting and a torture scene, including myself, you know, they didn't like it. So we got a lot of bad reviews very quickly. And there were other things about the show I think they needed and could have fixed which we thought they were going to, but MGM is the one that decided to pull the plug from my knowledge. And then that's, that's really it. They just wanted to pull the plug instead of going into a creation period, which probably because of how much money they lost. I don't know any of the facts or details. This is just what I've grasped from uh, my, my side of working it. Uh, but it just sucks. They, they didn't want to give the show any love that it was more about the money. And it's, it's in a way kind of good. It happened the way it did because we would have just ended up closing anyways because of the Corona circumstance. Um, so I'm happy it ended the way it did as strange as that, that sounds at a time like this. Now it would be a completely opposite parallel. If the coronavirus epidemic wasn't going on, then I probably would be very, very sad that my job had ended because all of the other circ shows would still be going. But now that the whole world is shifting in a different direction, it's kind of like, okay, this may have happened for a reason. Again, synchronicity i don't know (laughs) yeah no totally like talk about the universe like lining things up like it's it seems like you know it was inevitable that it was going to end either way so i mean at least you guys get like a you get a payout uh, i assume from from the cancellation yeah it was it was they bought us out of our contracts so that was nice see that's nice if there was if they closed because of this virus it, it probably would have been a completely different story so i mean that's that's one positive that comes out of the whole thing, you know? So yeah, we really got off for that. Yeah. Have you ever had any internships or have you ever been a mentor for anybody? Um, I have had an internship as a CMA. So I worked at a spine and joint Institute. The internship was over 500 hours. I believe it was a big internship. Um, and there I did spinal decompression, uh, some physical therapy, and uh, laser therapy, which is like this, um, it's a subdermal laser that goes through different layers of tissue to activate healing effect frequencies on a cellular level, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Uh, so your your education background came into play when it comes to, uh, you know, your sword swallowing and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about using your education to further your freelancing career? <laughs> uh, yeah, I had no idea becoming a CMA would help me on so many levels as a performer, man. So um, since since I have a, a, a diverse now, I, I don't know everything in the medical book, mind you. I can't name every bone in the body. I can't name all the muscles by heart. But I, I have roughly enough knowledge to perform any type of first aid or emergency care in a situation that could provide it. So um, being a performer that's that's helped me in levels of like just learning how to take care of myself and other people and being able to navigate the body safely with what I do. Because if I do something wrong, I have to understand what's going on, what it feels like, how to respond to it. So it's, it's allowed me all the knowledge I grasped uh, from school allowed me to just become a better performer. And I, I never expected that. It allowed me to keep myself safe in unsafe situations, and I've been able to mental, m- mentor other people in ways to keep them safe or, or ways to take care of their body. Um, it, and I haven't really used that in freelance, but more like just less than more or less than just help, helping other people out there with personal advice. No, that's rad. I think that's great that you're you know taking that background and the knowledge that you've gained in school to help other people. I think that's super awesome and you know, invaluable to a lot of people out there. So that's rad that you're doing that. Um, who are some of your influences in the performance arts world? Uh, well, Morg, definitely a uh, gentleman named Andrew S. And also Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is a, he's, you know, former, he's an actor, but he's an inspiration because of the way he carries himself, the way he chooses to make people laugh um he's he's always been inspiring to me who else can i think of right i was gonna say you gotta love jim carrey man he's amazing yeah what he's up to during all this craziness right now probably just being (laughs) his crazy self (laughs) probably painting probably painting Painting like crazy so have you ever been screwed (laughs) over on a job um, yes, plenty of times. There's there's jobs I've done full shows for and then not gotten paid at the end because the person was greedy and selfish. Um, there's events I've gone to where other performers have tried to get me, even though we were hired separately from the same event, they've tried to get me kicked off the event. And at that same event where they were trying to get me kicked off, I had my backpack and other objects stolen from me. Coincidence, right? When I never had another problem at event. Um, and there's just certain things like I've, I've had people try to scam me or try to uh, like, what's the word, try to get money out of me for promotion and then nothing really ever follows through for it. So I, I've experienced a little bit of everything <laughs> and it sucks that people are that cold and like, why, why, why do we have to treat our fellow humans like crap when we know they're in some way or another in the same shoes as us, you know, we're all struggling to survive in this world. So why make it harder on one another? Absolutely. And as a freelancer, do you have any questions, um, for, you know, any part of your business or anything like that? Not that I can think of right now. I just know 
I'm just wondering what this this coronavirus is going to do to myself and everybody else and people spending money in the economy. Like people probably aren't going to buy stuff online as much as they used to. People aren't going to spend money on services because we're going into survival mode. So like, again, what's the next step? (laughs) Yep, definitely. And my last question for you is what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started? What is something I wish I knew when I started? I wish I knew more about <laughs> being able to coordinate and develop systems of money. So like being able to invest in certain ways and save that money and then put it into other projects. I wish I was I wish I was smarter with my money earlier on. Amen to that, man. I wish I was smarter with my money earlier on too. But hey, it's all a learning experience. Um, if people want to find you, or hire you, or pick your brain some more, where can they find you online? So they can find me on Facebook, Patreon, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and Tumzy Blood. That's A-U-Z-Z-Y, Blood. And uh, they can hire me for all sorts of things. I do everything from sideshow performance. I paint custom creepy baby dolls. And uh, I can also teach you about the human anatomy if you want to learn about it hands over hand. So, yeah. Long list of weird stuff from this guy. So that was my episode with Ozzy Blood. Ozzy, thank you for coming on the podcast. I had a blast talking to you. If you guys want to follow him on social media, all of his links will be down in the description. And along with his links, there are a bunch of affiliate links down in the description for camera gear or backpacks or solar chargers. There's a bunch of stuff down in the description. Check it out. If you need any of that gear, I do get a little bit of a kickback whenever you purchase through my links. So thank you in advance for doing that. And if you liked this episode of Project Freelance and you're new to the podcast, hit that subscribe button. You might not be subscribed, but I would like you to come back next Monday for our next guest on this podcast. I'm not going to tell you who it is because if you want to know who the next guest is, you can either join the Patreon, which is linked in the description, or you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Project Freelance. Again, the links are down in the description, but I post on the Friday before. I post a little teaser of the episode, and then the Patreons get the episode a day early. So if you guys want to get the podcast early, head to patreon.com slash just the letter K. But like I said, if you guys leave feedback, I will send you a signed photo print. So leave a rating, leave some feedback, help the podcast grow, and you get something out of it too. Thank you guys for listening to Project Freelance. My name is Kay Nagonio. I am your host here on this podcast. I will talk to you next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Stay strong, keep enduring, go out, and go create something.